Good morning. This is Mita Thompson. I'm here with Pride Pages podcast with Kelsey J. Welcome. Hi. So we're here. We're just going to jump right in the questions. Kelsey J is a strong ally. We're going to ask her, um, tell us about living in Boise as an LGBTQ supporter and what it means to you to be a part of the community. Um, well, I think it's important when we're living in, you know, these predominantly um, sheltered places like Idaho, where I, I spent most of my life growing up, to be be supportive of your friends, whatever they're going through, and stand out in public in that support. So, you know, I'm a I'm a cisgender heterosexual woman with a lot of friends who are gay and um, have had various experiences throughout our childhood of coming to those realizations and living in places where they're loved and supported. And a lot of the um, kids I knew that were gay, like growing up, they moved to other states. You know, um, I lived in Hayden Lake in North Idaho for junior high and high school and North Idaho for college. And so a lot of people, you know, went other places where it wasn't so awkward or, you know, downright scary to be who they are. So for the people that have chosen to live in Idaho and, you know, stay in Boise, I think it's important that we all stick together and that we show our just support and our friendship and that we are just humans living in this world in, in Idaho where there's harmful legislation and, you know, abusive protesters that are coming out to try to intimidate and, you know, th throw cruelty at people while they're just out in the community. It's important to, you know, not back down and not let them have the airspace that they want to have. And um, I think, you know, in Boise, it, there's so many areas to get involved, whether you're getting involved in the legislative process or you're just supporting your friends one on one or you're, you know, going down to the Corvette Collective performances down at Pride and at Tree Four and going to the Pride Festival, just showing up, I think, is how I've told myself to do it, to show up and be there and learn and open up my own heart and my own mind to the conditioning that I've been given as a kid growing up in Idaho, you know, like internalized homophobia and, you know, transphobia and misogyny and white supremacy. Those are all things that are kind of thrown at you as you grow up uh, in this country. And so as you get older and more exposed to other people and realizing that those worldviews need to be shattered, doing it for yourself first and then helping other people along that path, like having the hard conversations um, when somebody says something gross or inappropriate, being that person that kind of shines light on that and helps to steer the conversation in a better direction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also from North Idaho, so yeah, no. I can relate. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, share with us how you came to Boise from Hayden Lake to Boise. Um, well, I, did it. I mean, yeah. I know it's the same state, but North I Idaho is so different than <laughs> Boise, Idaho. There are yeah. like extremes. Yeah, well, you know, there's two mountain ranges in between. It's a really nice drive. Um, actually, I didn't come straight to Boise from North Idaho, actually. So I graduated college in Moscow and then I went to L.A. So I actually didn't want to live in Idaho. I was like, Idaho sucks. I'm going to go somewhere cool like L.A. Um, and that's where I went to law school and graduate school. So I moved down there and I was at Pepperdine for four and a half years. And then while I was at Pepperdine planning my future and stuff, I ended up 
starting to date someone that I had really cared about in college. And he's from here. He, I was born in Nampa and was living in Boise. And so we started dating long distance. And then I graduated law school. And the move was Boise or L.A. <laughs> and so I came to Boise in 2008. And we're no longer a couple. We're still really good friends and colleagues and everything. But yeah, I followed a lover here. That's how I ended up in Boise and um, decided to stay several years back. I was considering like moving, but every time I thought about moving, I just didn't want to go. I love it here. Boise is just such a great city. It's beautiful. Um, my community is special. I have a lot of great friends. My career has grown here. Um, I, I live like a two-minute bike ride from jumping in the river. The clean river that runs through a capital city is very rare. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to live anywhere else. I do like to travel. I got to get out. <laughs> well, I love that you're here and that we have such a strong ally in you. And, and we need more people like you in Idaho and in Boise. So I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, what things are you passionate about improving within the community that showcase pride in the community? Hmm. Well, I really like to be a person that elevates other people. So um, especially as I've gotten older, I kind of don't speak out as much. I, you know, sometimes you get your Facebook memories and it's like, you're just like, like posting your opinions. I get so like cringed out by how um, like outspoken and loud I used to be when I was younger. And so now um, just opinionated, not outspoken and loud, but just so like, here's what I'm feeling at every given moment. And so now I really like to emphasize other people and their eloquence. And so instead of trying to like say it the best way myself, I like to support the people that are saying it well and speaking from their own hearts and, um, you know, elevating their voices and giving them a platform. And, you know, also in the pride community, for me, a lot of it is personal one-on-one -on -one when you are in friendships with people who are going through their own life journeys with their sexuality and, um, you know, existing in this community and thriving in this community, being a close friend and, um, you know, not turning away from the hard issues and supporting events. You know, as a business owner, I like to put my money where my mouth is too. Um, on that case, when there's fundraisers and donations that are needed or sponsorships, we do a lot of in-kind donations at Vervain. Um, and we, you know, want to keep doing that, keep, you know, keep integrating. So um, just being in the community, being showing up when you're asked and finding ways to help even before you're asked. I love that. What are some other things you may do for the community? Hmm. Um, well, so I have two businesses which are tagged here under my name. Um, there's the Vervain Collective, which is a holistic wellness center. It's a retail space for um, plant medicine, holistic healthcare, And we also have consultations with practitioners. So my business partner is a naturopathic physician licensed in Idaho. And we also have a lot of other practitioners that um, meet with their clients and patients there. And we have educational events. So making sure that Vervain succeeds is a way that we're, that I'm supporting getting more plant medicine to the people and helping people learn about the interrelationship between humans and plants and, and the ethical and community issues associated with that. And that's been pretty fun and interesting. And then my law practice, um, you know, my law practice, I've been working on developing a 
a livelihood in this niche for quite some time. And I do really like it. And um, I, I like to, my little pitch is social or business law for social entrepreneurs and support for those in the collaborative community. So it's a compassionate legal practice. I do like to lead with my heart, kind of like a heart-centered lawyer, which, you know, as we were talking about before we started, um, sometimes being very heart-centered and open emotionally isn't always a safe way to be if you're not in the right crowd for that. And the legal practice can be pretty harsh. Um, and, you know, and frankly, it can be really dismissive of clients. You know, so there's a lot of lawyers that push people away or, um, you know, don't meet people where they're at. Um, so my practice and what I'd like to get, you know, more clients in the realm of is like in family law and collaborative living environments and like life transitions um, with people from all different types of relationships, like non-conventional relationships, you know, marriage, you know, in Idaho, you know, it's everything is husband, wife, mom, dad, you know, and so there's a lot of variety in actual families and um, also sharing property. Like there's a lot of people that are in non-marital partnerships, but are still living together, owning property together, raising children, um, you know, sharing their lives. And, you know, even in non-monogamous situations, there are people that are in non-monogamous partnerships of, you know, various sorts that have to navigate those relationships. And the way that the law is, the standard version of the law or like the conventional way of doing that, it doesn't accommodate those types of relationships unless you're really creative. So that's something that I've been working on developing is being like creative and, um, inspired by what's going on in the community and finding ways to make legal relationships that work for that. So that's something I'm like excited about getting better at as my practice continues to grow. I love that. I, I love that. And I love that we can find people like you to help us navigate through those situations. Thanks. So yeah. let's jump into some questions with your Vervain Collective. Mm -hmm. What exactly is an apothecary? Well, an apothecary is a fun old timey word that we love that basically just means a place that you go get health care. So if you think of apothecary, it's like back in the, um, you know, the ancient times and the guy had mixing all the potions and things like that. But potions are really just extracts of plants put together in different formulations into the people. So we chose that word apothecary because we love it. I think it's a beautiful word. I love the image that it conveys and how it feels and it flows. And um, so it's a place that you can go get health care. I love that. I love yeah. that. So tell me about the classroom consultation space for healthcare practitioners that you provide. Yeah. Um, so we... We want to be accessible to businesses and practitioners that maybe don't that don't have enough money or clientele to have their own office space, like their own building. So we have a shared consultation room at Vervain where you can you can rent it in time blocks. So either four, eight, or sixteen hours per week. Then you pay a monthly fee, and then during your time block, that time is for you. And then we help you promote your business, and people can come in, and you can use that space. So it's sort of it's it's both. Like sometimes it's an incubator. So we've had people that have rented the space for you know a discrete amount of time, and then they're like, you know what, I'm busy enough, I'm going to get my own space, or you know, I'm going to team up with somebody else. Um, and then we also have people that are just working part time, and you know, they they only need four hours, four eight hours a week to meet with their um, clientele. 
Um, or sometimes people work from home mostly. We have a new woman who has been considering it. She works from her home office, which she likes, but she's kind of like far out way East Boise. And a lot of her clients are in Nampa. So it's quite a trek for them to get there. So she's looking to rent a space that's more centrally located, closer to the freeway for people like that. So it's basically um, shared space. And then you, while you're there, you're part of the Vervain community. So our goal too is that if people are giving their, um, they're working with people in this more holistic way of living, those customers, those clients will also become customers of Vervain. They'll come into the shop, they'll see what we have to offer, you know, and so it'll be a symbiotic relationship. I love that. I love that. Um, and then the classroom is similar. Yeah, we do a, um, we do a 10 month course. You know, it's limited to 15 people per session and it's once a month and you can get a certificate and it's pretty intense. Um, but we also do lots of smaller classes that are one or two hour time blocks. Um, and so some of those we teach the Vervain staff or Nicole, um, my business partner, Dr. Nicole Pierce teaches, or, um, we also just have an open application on our website. So we have lots of other people in the community that come and teach. And so if you go to the Vervain collective.com's website on our events page, you can see. And so we have a constantly changing lineup of classes. They're really interesting nice. and fun. And again, that brings people into the shop. They have never been there before. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, so yeah. tell me about, so yeah. you've got two businesses going on. Um, tell me about the law mm -hmm. for conscious leadership. Tell me about that one. Okay. Yeah. So um, I am a solo practitioner. So that means I work for myself. So I have 100% control over the work that I do and when I do it, which has been really great for my own lifestyle and my personal growth. Um, I started out at a big law firm in Boise at Givens Pursley, which was my dream job at the time. And I'm really grateful about my experience that I had there and the training that I got. Um, it really it really set me up really nice. But at, at some point I became very, very certain that being a partner at a big law firm wasn't the lifestyle for me. And I've talked about this a lot and I have, I have refined my little speech about that <laughs> to be a little more positive. Um, but so I started my own practice and it took me a little while to get there for a while. I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. I was feeling quite um, despondent about the profession. And I, I dabbled in a lot of other things and, and took a break. And um, But then I came back to it. So in like 2015 was my, I think 2015 or 16 was my last full-time job that I had working as an employee. And I decided to launch my own practice and have that be my main focus. And that was the same time that I learned about the Sustainable Economies Law Center which is an um, organization that focuses on making the law more accessible to, his, to marginalized communities and then helping lawyers become better at serving those communities. So, you know, changing the profession. So I am deeply engaged with that organization. And that really did form um, a, a really, it helped me form a really great framework for my practice. But so it's a small business practice. I work with a lot of small businesses um, in the like sustainable environment sector, um, people like that lead heart first, but they're also business owners. So well, I would say people that are my peers, um, you know, people that are out there like kicking ass in their chosen field and they need legal work. Like every business needs a lawyer, um, but not every business has a lawyer that matches their 
skill sets or their personality or their view on the world. So, you know, I like to tell my clients, I'm not the lawyer for everybody, right? But the clients that I do have, we really do seem to connect really well. And um, I love my work. I do a lot of contracts. Um, I do a lot of just kind of explaining to people like how things work, because, you know, a lot of legal mumbo jumbo is confusing and it's frustrating and it's annoying. And, you know, you're like, they're smart people. It's not as though they're like not able to understand, but it's just like, why would they want to, you know, they read these like right. really annoying exactly. contracts or laws and they're like, mm, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. I have other things to do. So like my job is to like take that boring thing that I'm trained to do and translate it into like real people talk. Um, and I, I draft my contracts that way too. So I work, I work with my clients to make sure that as we're writing contracts, they actually understand what they're getting into. Um, and then, so I do a lot of that. And then I also do amicable divorce, which has been something that I've developed over the last few years. So I don't go to court and do that kind of divorce. But my clients are when the couple has decided they don't want to be married anymore, but they want to work together as they transition out of that relationship and we can do it as a team. So most of the time the couple hires me and it's the three of us working together to get through the process. And um, that's been very rewarding. I didn't think I would end up in that. It kind of happened as you know, a couple groups of friends asked me, can you help me? And I just developed it. So I do a lot of that. Um, and then I also do a lot of child protection and that is my, that's pro bono, but I work with the court appointed special advocates program. So when children get removed from their homes um, for abuse and neglect, and it opens up a child protection proceeding, you know, there's a lot that goes on. And so I volunteer doing that. And I also really love that. Yeah, it, that it was really hard to get into. Um, but I, I enjoy that. I'm in like my sixth, fifth or sixth year now of doing that work. Wow. Wow. Yeah, um, I like it. So Tell me about the certified B Corporation and what exactly it means to achieve that. It sounds like yeah. you were the header in creating this. Is that right? Um, no, I didn't create the certification. Um, nope. <laughs> but I have been involved in that sector for a very long time. So before, okay. before B Benefit Corporations or certified B Corps were a thing, um, the term that was used a lot was corporate social responsibility. And, you know, that was the term that was coming out when I was graduating college. And so this idea that businesses didn't have to harm the environment or hurt people in exchange for making money. Like it used to be a false, it used to be a false dichotomy, right? It was like, you either make money or you save babies. Like you can't do both. Or you, you know, you're either like a, a hippie or you're rich. Like everything was on this like spectrum. And as, as business law evolved and as the economy changed and more and more people were like, mm, maybe you can do business and not, you know, hurt people or protect the environment, maybe a little bit less damage, that conversation changed. And so benefit corporations, which is a state law concept and certified B Corps, which is a certification, um, there, those are distinct terms. They're very interrelated. I have a lot of information about that on my website on what's the difference. So we can refer people to my website if they want to read some reports or articles. Um, but basically think of it, one is a way that your company is formed at the state level, and that's benefit corporation. And certified B corporation is a third-party certification that you have to apply for. So there's a very um, rigorous assessment 
and you have to back it up with proof, um, you know, numbers and reports and um, policies, and it's an iterative process. And if you qualify, you know, if you get enough points um, on their their tests, then you can call yourself a certified B Corp. So it, it is a it's a method of distinguishing yourself. Um, and it's something that was really meaningful to me um, as, you know, I started working in the corporate social responsibility advocacy and um, social entrepreneurship when I was in college and law school. So when the when so I've been I've been growing up in this space. So for me, I feel like it's just a really big, important thing that motivates me. And um, we got the certification for the Vervain Collective and I got it for my law practice this year. And then oh the um, the consulting firm that I um, helped found that I used to work at was is Warm Springs Consulting. And um, I still work with them a lot in the legal capacity and they're a certified B Corp too. So I am proud to say that the three businesses that I've started are all certified B Corps. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, so I wanted to wrap up with one more question. How do you find yourself, you're a solo entrepreneur, how do you find yourself managing both, both businesses? Mm -hmm. I find myself stressed out a lot. <laughs> I spend a lot of time taking care of um, my mental health and my body so that I can ride the waves. You know, um, I am busy a lot. I have a lot of work to do all the time. It's like when you run your own company, um, companies, there's never an end of to do's, you know, like there's always more work that you can get done, you know? So yeah. you have to have good boundaries with when you do the work and like when you are racing. Um, one of my friends in law school, he said something, he's like, well, you know, sometimes you got to race. And I think about that all the time because sometimes things aren't that busy and you don't have looming deadlines and you can go ahead and put it off and and, you know, take the day off. Other times you have so much to get done and it has to get done by a certain time. And so for me, I just kind of thrive on that. Um, I like being a hard worker. It's something I'm kind of like a gold. I have that gold star syndrome of being a um, high performing child in the 80s. So it's something that has actually caused me like a lot of mental health issues over the years. But I have found a nice way to like embrace it. Um, and so I, I call myself now a high performing lady of leisure because I love chilling. I love relaxing. I love being with my friends and going with the flow. Um, but I also really like to be successful and get things done and be proud of my achievements. So the way that I balance it, like going back to your question is, um, self-love, um, being present, knowing when it's okay to rest. Um, also as a cycling human, you know, I, I do like to pay attention to how my body changes throughout my cycle. Um, and that sometimes I'm more productive and ambitious and go, go, go. And other times I need to lay down and read a book and go stare at the river. And so I am pretty good at, at navigating that. And, and that is one of the reasons why I really like being self-employed because when you are, when you have a full-time job or an employer, you know, like very strict show up and button seat requirements, you don't get to do that. And so I recognize that my lifestyle is a privilege, um, and it's definitely one that I have chosen and like worked for. And and there's a trade-off, you know, um, there's a trade-off. You'd have financial insecurity in exchange for freedom. So it's, you know, kind of juggling <laughs> um, those things. Both of them. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Boise is the perfect city to obtain all of that. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And, um, you know, 
especially nowadays just the access to technology and the meetings and getting the being able to meet online for things saves a lot of time. I can work from wherever, you know, if I want to go visit a friend or I go visit my sister in San Diego a lot, you know, I, I'm not like taking time off work per se. Like I can still get my work done and I can still check in for those meetings, but I can do it from anywhere. So the, the technology that we have now um, has really helped me have the lifestyle that I want to have and, you know, still do the work that I want to do while also tending to my soul and going with the flow and, you know, integrating the amount of leisure that I like to be happy. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for tuning into Pride Pages podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.